Hi, my name is Randy Wimmer and welcome back to the Entrepreneur Sound Off. Today's topic deals with trust. So what prompted this discussion today? Well, um, I'm, I'm frequently asked, Randy, what do you look for when you're doing a proposal review? And there's a science, literally a science associated with reviewing proposals. Um, I used to tell my folks, you don't write a winning proposal, you edit one. So our game plan was to create a first draft that was good um, of, a, of a proposal and then start the editing process. Because the editing is when you have everybody's brain power focusing on very specific areas of of the proposal, you know, we're talking about, you know, you're doing your, do you have the, your win themes? Is it compliant? Is your pricing right? Um, you know, white gloves, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the things you got to do in order to have a successful winning proposal. Now, one of the things that's never, ever, ever written in one of these reviews is the word trust. If your proposal does not engender trust, you will never win. Now, I am the largest advocate in the world uh, that proposals are scored. They're not, uh, you know, they're, they're scored, they're not read. Now, there is one tiny caveat to that is, is they got to trust you. If they can't trust what's going down on paper, they're never going to make an award to you. Now, sometimes, and I've done this in the past, you can back a client up in the corner and force them to give you an award because you had the highest scored proposal and they know that you're probably not the best company to do that. You don't have the best solution, but the way that they defined how they were going to grade it and how they were going to weight each one of those areas that's graded, you know, they just wrote a bad request for proposal and you took advantage of it. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, they will always, always find a way to lower your score unless they trust you. Now, they'll frequently throw up their hand and they say, well, you know, we're the one who wrote sections L and section M of the RFP, which defines what is going to be evaluated and how it's going to be evaluated. You know, this is on us guys. We didn't get the company we wanted. We got the, we got the company with the highest score proposal and let's hope it works. Now, you know, they'll frequently do that. They'll always do that. In fact, unless there's a trust issue. So what do I mean by trust? Well, let's go to, Webster Dictionary. Now, trust. It's a noun, and it, here's the first definition. A firm belief in the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. A person or thing in which confidence is placed. Now, <clears throat> you know, you can just read that dictionary and say, oh, wow, trust is really, really important. Well, Strength, uh, uh, you know, uh, trust and, and confidence kind of go hand in hand. It's it's also about whether or not it's believable. Uh, is it realistic and reasonable? You know, your solution. And there's there's a lot of different things that go into it. However, I think Webster kind of nails it. Again, it's the firm belief in the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something, a personal thing in which confidence is placed. Now. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into this because it is so important that you get this right. Now, I'm going to refer you to a um, to a website that, that I like. It's called thechiefexecutive.net. And 
Um, one of the and I, and I love one of the articles that they actually have here. They 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 have some good um, articles on this on this website. It's called ChiefExecutive.net. And you know this is this is not plagiar. I mean I'm not plagiarizing this. This is not my own information. I've got this from <clears throat> from their website. And because you know what, I don't care who 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 actually is originating the content. If the content is valuable to your success, I'm going to share it with you, whether or not it's my content or whether or not it's something that somebody else has shared in the past. So again, I have no pride of ownership here. This is, if it's the best content available, it's better than what I could have came up with. And this is, then I'm going to share it with you. That's what I owe you. So this, this, um, this article, they have a great a great uh, definition of what really trust is from a business standpoint. And they call it the five C's of trust. The first C is care, communication, character, consistency, and competence. Now, let's let's go through these again. These are powerful words. Care. Communication, character, consistency, and competence. So let's start at the very first one. Care. How do you show you care? And I'm not talking about just to your customer. I'm talking about to your employees as well. How do you show that you care? Well, I'm going to go back in time to my very first company. I wanted every single employee in my company, if they had a great idea, I wanted them to believe that I would hear it immediately. If they uh, if they had a better way to do something, or if they found a flaw in, in a way that we were presently doing things, I wanted to know, one is I wanted them to feel empowered, but two, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be able to, to to be able to affect positive change. I wanted to be able to to make sure that it was fixed. And this actually goes back to a uh, a project that I supported when I was in the Navy. It was called the Smart Ship Initiative. And one of my one of the ships that I was serving on um, was USS Nicholas, and it was a smart ship designated a smart ship. It was one of two frigates. And the Smart Ship Initiative was is. We don't care what you do. We don't care how you do it. We want to see how you can make the way we operate on the, on the, uh, the Perry frigate ship class, the Oliver Hazard Perry ship class, how we can operate that ship more effectively. Now, <laughs> what does more effectively mean? Well, that's something that we struggled with. We actually brought that down to uh, improved performance and also uh, crew morale. Those were the two things that we we enhanced, uh, that we focused on. That's how we defined better. And you know where the best ideas came from? It wasn't from the captain. It wasn't from me. I was leading, you know, I, I had a master's degree in operations research. So I was the stucky on this, on this project. And it was a really exciting one. Um, and, and it pushed me really hard to think, you know, outside of the box. And, and I ended up creating, um, the daddy framework, um, in order to, it's a business model that, um, that enabled me to help address this project and, and accomplish it. But the best ideas didn't come from the senior folks. They came from the people who were on the deck plates. And what we had to do is we had to have a mechanism in place to surface those ideas. 
It's like, why are we doing this? You know, um, and some of the things that were coming out is to say like, well, you got two watch watch standers. One of them is looking at this dial and the other person, you know, once an hour is coming next to that person and looking at another dial. Why not just have the first person look at both dials? You know, it's like literally right there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's trivial things like that. But the captain would never know. The XO would never know. Hell, I was the chief engineer on the ship and I'd never knew. You know, it, it, it was down to, at the level, the most junior people have the best ideas how to improve things. They know where the bodies are buried. Now, they're not going to tell anybody unless you, you give them a mechanism or a way to do that. Now, the way I did that um, in my first company and all my subsequent companies was I had an ISO 9001 program that had a change management system because I cared what they were thinking. I cared that they had ideas. I wanted to empower them to, to a, a affect positive change into the company. So they could fill out a change request. It was just a simple one pager. And I would see that at least within the month because we reviewed those at our, our management review boards that happened at least monthly. Now, if it was a hot one and somebody, you know, the, the quality uh, quality manager says, hey, boss, you may want to take a look at this. This is a really good idea. Hell, I'd see it the same day, you know, but I at least saw it monthly and we would take action on it within a month. And if we didn't take action on it, then we provided the, you know, the, the employee why we couldn't or, or didn't or, or, you know, A, we, we couldn't afford it or B, you know, it impacts something else or C, you know, we, we weren't going to do it this quarter, but we were going to invest in it the next quarter, whatever it was. And most of these things didn't cost a penny. You know, most of these things are just, uh, you know, they're just, you know, no cost, brilliant ideas. That's how I, I showed my, my employees that I cared. I gave them a change management system. Now, how did I show my customers that I cared? I did that in two different ways. I had, again, an ISO 9001 as part of my program. I had a program management review that happened quarterly. That's where my COO, the number two guy in the company, he would go and he would spend a day with the program manager. And there was a whole litany of things that they covered. And um, a lot of it dealt with the customer, what, you know, what were the customer's hot buttons? What were the customers this? What were their concerns? What were all this kind of stuff? So we were getting that information directly or uh, from the program manager, the person who interfaced with that customer almost on a daily basis. Now, we also had a mechanism to communicate directly with the customer. We actually had, again, through our ISO 9001 program, a customer satisfaction program where we solicited direct feedback, you know, from the customer, essentially to me, you know, of what they were happy with, what they weren't happy with, what they were concerned about, what kept them up at night. Because my job was to make sure that customer was happy at all times. So you got to show that you care. And again, we did that, um, you know, for our customer through the program management reviews that we did quarterly and then the, uh, the, the customer satisfaction program that we had in place where we were soliciting feedback directly from the customer regarding our performance uh, on the contract, regarding their desires, their wishes, um, and what kept them up at night. Now, the next word, communication, the second C, sounds like, well, you just covered that, Randy. No. 
I look at communication as being brutally honest, not nasty, not impolite, not, um, you know, not being brutal, you know, but I believe that it should be 100% factual because, you know, like, hey, how, how are we doing, boss? How are we doing? Oh, you, you know, you're doing well. You're doing okay. You're doing good. You know, don't, you know you're, you're okay. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? It means nothing. You know, what is okay? What does good means? Uh, okay or good means that you're going to be fired, <laughs> you know, in a week. Or it could be like, hey, you know, you're, you're jockeying for my job. Hey, I'm going to go out on early retirement here. You know, you don't know. Communication to me dealt with factual information, quantifiable, quantifiable. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when you tell, um, if you want to convey that you're really good at something, you don't want to say, you know, um, my company LLC is really, 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 really good at IT support services, you know. Uh, why is that a flawed approach? Because some other company is going to add another really, 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 really onto it. And, you know, oh, well, hey, they've got three more reallys here. They must be even better. Like, no, that's just baloney. What you've got to do is you've got to communicate facts, proof points. And um, this is an area where my, again, ISO 9001 program really helped me. We had key performance indicators in our company that we maintained. And it, it dealt with everything that was important to me as the owner and CEO of that company. And there were times when we thought we were actually doing well when we weren't. And we didn't realize that it wasn't effectively communicated to me until we actually started collecting data. One of those was in HR. Uh, well, actually, two different areas in, in HR. One was in processing and the other one was um, the staffing of positions, you know, that we actually had on contract. I, uh, I remember <laughs> my quality manager, man, he, he almost had a heart attack when I asked this. We were implementing our ISO 9001 program and we had just identified our key performance indicators. And I asked for one, just one. And cause this one, I, I kind of had an awkward feeling about this one. Uh, cause I never really saw it being done the same way twice. So I said, uh, Hey, Ed, and Ed was a great guy. I, I tell you what, uh, I don't want to you know, tell you what his last name was, but, uh, you know, because I want to protect his privacy. But, man, Ed, you know, I, I my respect for Gray, uh, for Ed just continues to grow. I was very blessed with a good team. But um, Ed was, was really a, a key player and my quality manager um, setting up the ISO 9001 program. And I said, Ed, I said, I want to see our data regarding our in, in, employee in processing. Now, he also did that. <laughs> you know, we are, we're a small business and he had about 50 hats. And he says, come on, boss. You know, why don't you give us some time? You know, let's fix things. I said, no, I want a baseline. I said, I'm, you know, I'm, no heads are going to roll over this. And, and again, I, I don't think, well, and that's not true. I, I did, you know, fire a few people in the corporate office. But but for the most part, you know, I, you know, I wasn't a... You know, I wasn't that kind of leader. You know, I, I was like, I was always willing to give people more and more chances and and those type of things. But um, so I wasn't a brutal guy. Uh, so I, I really wasn't going to chop off anybody's head. Uh, and I told him, I said, look, I just want a baseline. And so sure enough, he did it. And that's like, oh, my gosh. And I just asked the guy, I said, Ed, is anybody legally employed in our company? Because I wasn't sure. 
I really wasn't. And he says, boss, I don't know. <laughs> he says, yeah, I think so. I, you know, cause we, we were in a PEO, you know, um, uh, not admin staff. We were in ADP total sourcing. He says, yeah, they kind of keep us legal. He says, but you know, as you can tell, we, we really haven't been doing too good of a job on this. Now, the next month, one month later, we had a 100%, um, you know, uh, score on that, that all of our employees that had checked in that week and all the ones previously had been checked in using our check sheet. They had gone through and just verified that, that, that nobody was missing things. And there was a whole bunch of things that were missing, but you know, we were a, we were able to, or he was able to communicate to me just one month later, everything was fixed everything and that I didn't have to worry about HR. Why? Not because he says, yeah, we got this covered boss. We're good at HR. No, he gave me data. He showed me statistics and I saw those numbers. And I'm thinking like, great job, great job turning that around. And then we maintained it. Now, uh, another thing was, is sometimes we don't do a good job baselining our expectations. So what happened? Um, with with recruiting well we'd have positions that were open and they would always be relegated to a lower <laughs> lower importance uh, than what i liked because when i saw an open position i saw you know all this uh lost revenue opportunity and i also saw all the hard work that we did to to win that position go for nothing and that's what really irked me. It was even more so than the money. It's like, guys, don't you remember we were pulling all nighters, like, you know, like crazy in order to win this contract to get that position. And now we, we, we can't even prioritize it high enough to get it filled in a reasonable period of time. You know, that's what really, really, really irked me. And it's not until we started collecting data, data, and I collected data in the form of lost revenue. <laughs> because I really wanted to drive a point. That was my key performance indicator. How much lost revenue, you know, did, did we have? And I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be a running total for the year. And I want to say, you know, for this, for the past 12 months, we have lost, you know, $87,000 in lost revenue for vacant, unfilled positions on contracts that weren't burning hours. They weren't billing. So once we actually started to communicate back and forth between me and my, you know, my HR staff, we we realized like, oh my gosh, this is a much higher priority than what we as a company were placing, you know, on it, you know, because you know that number of, of eighty seven thousand, hell, we blew through that in just a couple of months. We were losing tons of money, you know, on, on unfilled positions, and then it became a priority. And then because of that effective communication. We were able to, you know, um, to, to address, to address that problem. And we were able to invest resources, you know, money. I was willing to throw money at this because we were getting, you know, we were getting that money back in spades. We were making a ton of money off of that investment of, of getting these positions filled. Now, communicating with your customer, that's your monthly reports in many cases. Your monthly reports have got to be rock solid. And you need to communicate with your customer before your very for, uh, your very first monthly report is due. What do you expect from us? What is the ideal report? What does it convey to you? 
You know, at what level of detail do you want? How do you want it, you know, um, uh, summarized? You know, that kind of stuff. I didn't do that on my very first prime contract. And because of that, I almost went out of business. Why? Because they rejected my deliverables. Not because I, I they were poor, but they just weren't what they wanted. And RFPs, believe it or not, as detailed as they may seem at some times, they are very vague on what they want that monthly report to look like. Um, and you're usually submitting several monthly reports. So communication, data, data, data. And, you know, you've got to communicate that you're good at something. How are you good at it? Well, you know, uh, we were actually, we, we even turned our recruiting from a negative into a positive. We'd say at any given day, you know, uh, uh, 98.2% of our, of our classified cleared billets, our positions, we're staffed at any given time, you know, on average. And it's like, wow, that's not saying that we're good at keeping our classified position staffed. You know, that's proving it. We communicated that, you know, with, with a proof point that was irrefutable. So communication, you, you got to do that using data. Now, character, uh, that's the third C. And this is the best way for me to summarize the word character. It's how you act when nobody is watching. Now, if you were doing something for the customer, everybody's going to say, oh, well, I would have worked a lot harder if it was going to go directly to the customer. You know, well, you practice like you play. Um, I remember... Uh, when I played sports, um, and I have, I have four sons and they're, they're, they're all involved in some form of athletics or were, you know, when they were younger. And I used to tell them, I say, if you don't go in there and give 110% of practice, you're, you're not going to perform well when you play. Nothing's going to change. You know, uh, I have two children, uh, two sons that are really, uh, heavily involved in, in, uh, in fencing, epe fencing. One's a recruited athlete, um, at a division one score and the other one, you know, he's like nationally ranked. He's really, really, really good. And the reason why they're so good is because, you know, they, they, they practice, they train as if they're competing. And, uh, there's, there's just no way that you can, that you can, you know, back off of that. If you're not doing it on your own, it's not going to happen during game time. So, and that's one of the things that uh, I think ISO 9001 really, really demonstrates to your clients that we're doing this for ourselves. We're holding ourselves to that high level, that ISO 9001 quality management system standard on our own. It's not just for our contracts. It's for the way we do business. It's the way we in-process our people. It's the way that we close out our books at the end of the month. It's the way that we do performance reviews of our employees, you know, every single quarter or semi-annually or however you do it. It's our training program. It's, it's the way we manage risks. Uh, it's, you know, we're doing it for ourselves. And because we're doing it for ourselves, it is more believable that we're going to do it for you. And I don't think a lot of small business owners get that. 
because they say, oh, we're going to do all this great and wonderful stuff for the customer, for you customer. And, and I think the customers can see right through that. And they're saying, well, why aren't you doing it for yourself? You know, you, you've created this great quality control plan or quality management plan as part of the contract, but yet you don't follow one yourself. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's based upon industry best uh, standards. So I really do believe that, um, that character, the best way to demonstrate that is to show what you are doing for your company. And if you're treating your employees and you're treating your own internal products with that level of detail and compliance, quality can, you know, control compliance, then I think that proves to your customer that you're going to do the same thing on their contract. Consistency, the fourth C. And, you know, this is, again, I've, I've been pounding ISO 9001. Uh, if, you, if you haven't caught this, ISO 9001 kind of gets you these, you know, these five Cs, but it really gets you the fourth C. It really gets you consistency. You have documented version controlled processes for all of your major business processes. The things that really matter to you, you have a consistent way to do it. If, if, Bob is your HR director and he's out on vacation and Timmy comes in to, to stand in for him. Um, guess what? It's going to be done the same exact way that the HR director would have done it. Why? Because there is a process in place that will walk that person through it. There's training on how to use that process and it ensures 100% consistency. Again, that's something that you've got to be able to convey to your customer. It's not just about writing a winning proposal in their eyes. You know, they're thinking like saying, oh, this sounds really good, but this, these are just words. You know, what's going to be going on in, in, in four years when you're still on contract? How are we going to know that the, the great and wonderful products that you're, you know, spending extra time on on the first month are, are, are going to be equivalent quality as what's coming in? And, you know, in four years or three years from now, consistency. It also gives the customer um, a level of expectation. They know exactly what they're going to be getting. Exactly. You know, they're going to get their monthly reports looking exactly the same way every single month. And with that consistency, you know, becomes an element of comfort with them. They know there's, there's, you know, I know what I'm going to get every single month. I know what I'm going to get. I know what I'm going to get. And, um, and then they can plan off of that. They can manage, you know, their mission off of that. So consistency, having 100% documented processes that are version controlled and having your employees with defined roles and responsibilities. Again, those are both tenants of ISO 9001. And then finally, competence. Again, saying that you're really, 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 really committed to something is absolutely useless. It just took up real estate. You got no points for that. You got no credit for that. It did you no value whatsoever in the eyes of the source selection board. When you convey competence, you've got to do that with proof points. You want to, you want to prove that you're a competent manager, that you can, you're going to do a, a, you're going to be very competent managing the prime contract. Well, you know, uh, you've got to show that your that your business processes, your management approach, your management 
uh, procedures are based upon the industry's best practices that are accepted globally for quality management. And quality management, this is why I like ISO 9001 so much, quality management touches everything. It touches management, transition, you know, transition planning or transition management. It, it does communication. It does, you know, customer satisfaction, um, hiring, you know, all of that. It, it just permeates every aspect of your company and the way that you deliver management of a prime contract. And to demonstrate just how competent you are, you know, having an ISO 9001 certification credential will put you in the top 0.1 percentile of all U.S. companies. Why? Because 99.9% of U.S. companies choose not to pursue that prestigious credential. Now think about that. You have just put yourself in the top decimal point of competency when it comes to management. Because quality management system touches all of contract management, every aspect of it. And if it's not, then you need to expand your quality management system to include it because that's what it's intended to do. So that is how ISO 9001 can address the five C's of trust. And if your proposal, your bid does not engender trust with the source selection board, you simply will not win. They will find a way to, to lower your score. And it's usually in the form of a confidence assessment. Because again, that's a major component of your evaluation is the level of confidence. If they don't trust you, they don't have confidence in you. So in summary, care, communication, character, consistency, and competence can all be achieved through ISO 9001 certification. And those elements, they comprise how much trust that the customer has in your company and in your bid. So I hope this topic was helpful and I will see you during our next podcast. Talk to you soon.